five ways to read the Bible in 2024. We're looking at, we're exploring different ways to engage with the Word of God other than simply opening up and reading the words on a page. So far, we've looked at what different ways could we read through the whole thing in the course of a year. And last week, we spent time talking about verse mapping, a way to slow down and spend time deeply with the text, with the context, with some original language portions, maybe even a commentary or a study Bible here and there, all to ask some big questions about what the passage says, what it means, and then what it says for you and I and our lives of faith. This week, we're going to look at alternate translations, alternate translations. See, every single Bible that we have and that you read in English is a translation because the original text, the original Bible, if you will, is written in two main languages, biblical Hebrew and ancient Greek. Now, unless you know how to read those things, that means you then rely on someone else's expertise to translate for you. And there wasn't too long ago, or a long time ago, I should say, when there weren't that many translations, when it was mostly just the King James and then maybe a few others. But now there are countless numbers of translations, and the Bible is continuing to be translated into many, many languages because there are yet people who don't even have one translation of the Bible in their language today either. And as good as some translations are, or maybe we might say as not true to the text as some are, they are all still able and all still contain the ability to spur us on to encourage our time in the Word. And so whenever someone's going to translate, they sort of have two choices to make. Whenever you come across the Greek... You can either be very close to exactly how it's written in the old, the original language, both the word order itself and the meaning of those words translated directly into English. We might call that a wooden translation. But then on the far opposite end of the spectrum would be the choice to disregard the word order and maybe even the words of the original language themselves and just translate what the translator believes is the message of the text. It's just goal and its, its hope is to, to communicate what the translator believes, the Bible, the original text, is trying to get us as the hearers to understand. And so in worship, you won't hear us reading a what are called paraphrase Bible from the pulpit. We use the English Standard Version here in our life together at St. Luke. Maybe you use a little different version in your own devotional life at home. But just as well as I know you do too, that when you spend so much time with one certain thing, with one certain way of doing something, sometimes it can become stale and old, and you can kind of begin to just become an autopilot, not realizing what you're reading, not stopping to really dive deep. And so we're bringing to you today sort of the idea of alternate translations. Because sometimes there are fresh insights from just reading the same words that you're used to in a different way. To hearing familiar words again, afresh and anew in our ears. And so I have with me two different ways that we might do that this day. First, one called the story. 
There's another one I'll link in below that's called The Book of God. And what this seeks to do, the story anyway, seeks to help people catch and help people know the entire story of Scripture, right? That the, the story in Genesis through Revelation contains one complete story. And so people have gone through and cut out portions of the New International Version and then included little portions of transition is what they call them. And so I want to read you one about Paul's mission. It says, Paul had never visited the church in Rome, which included both Jewish and Gentile Christians, though Gentiles compromised the majority. Around AD 57, he wrote them an amazing letter to stabilize their understanding of God's story of Jesus the Messiah and to give them courage under pressure. This brilliant letter mapped out foundational truths of Christianity and answered tough questions about sin, grace, the Jewish law, and the never-ending power of God. And then what they've done is they've just copy and pasted certain parts of the NIV into this text and then included it along the way. And so this would be really helpful for you if you have never really thought about the Bible as an entire story. If maybe you're unfamiliar with a lot of the Old Testament, this would be a really good resource for you as you seek to dive in, as you seek to dive deeper into how God has been working through and since the creation of the world to bring about his son, but to bring about the world in the way that he was supposed to have it and that it was supposed to be, but sin ruined. So that's one here, the story. The book of God seems to do a sort of similar thing. I don't have a copy of it with me. But this book seeks to try and tell the story of the Bible in what's kind of like a narrative drama. Again, the idea that the Bible is a real storybook, that it contains a singular truth and a singular story that's meant to be enjoyed and read and cherished and, and just enjoyed. The last thing I want to share with you is what's called the message translation. You might have heard of it. It's what's known as a paraphrase. And so that means it's not going to give to you, it's not going to tell you the words, word for word in the scripture, but what it's trying to do is it's trying to take chunks of scripture together and then paraphrase them in contemporary and modern language. And so it's about trying to withdraw, trying to push down the barrier to entry, trying to remove any sort of burden or wall that might exist between someone who has never read the Bible, who doesn't read the Bible a lot. And so I want to read a portion of this to you today from Romans chapter 5. The message translation says this, God Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for the sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. We know those familiar words from Romans 5 that talk about how someone might be willing to die for a good person, but that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
<clears throat> but it hits me in a different way. When I hear the words, God put his love on the line for you, for me, by offering his only son in sacrificial death while we were of no use to him whatsoever. That is what being a sinner is, right? But yet it hears, it reads differently than we're used to. And so we're able to, to hear it and to appreciate it and to study it in a different way. And so as you go through, as you pick up maybe a different translation of the Bible, they make interlinear things where you can have the, the ESV on one side and the message on the other or the NIV and the, the message, whatever it is. I encourage you to compare what the different translations say next to each other and ask yourself, how does this deepen my understanding of this passage? Or how does it increase my perspective of what God is doing here for me and for the world? I hope though that as you do this, you see how the word of God is always living and is always active and is always at work, whether you're in this translation or the next. So God bless you this day as you grow, as you read the Bible in perhaps a new way in the year 2024.